Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Shabilsky, a.k.a. Shibs, and you can find my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Amazon, and pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram at SportsWithShibs or on Twitter at DylanShibs13 for updates on the podcast or for just updates on sports in general. Without further ado, let's get right into the topics. Kicking off this week's episode, we have the NBA All-Star festivities, and we're going to go from probably least watched to what should be most watched, but we'll find out if the All-Star game was watched by quite a bit of people, and you may be shocked to find out the truth. The celebrity game I mean, it was basically a glorified dunk contest between DK Metcalf and Megatron. I enjoyed that part. DK did win the Celeb Game MVP. And also the Miz hit a half-court shot, which was funny. Um, Guillermo from Jimmy Kimmel was funny when he crotched the ball right in the rim. Uh, There was good moments of it, but it's just a celebrity game. Not much there. The Rising Stars games, I was actually really thoroughly impressed with. It was like a round-robin tournament. So basically taking what the uh, Summer League is for the young players and transferring it over to the All-Star game. Four different coaches and Pogasol's team took home the dub. And I believe last week I did say I thought Pogasol's team was going to win. So not quite... A surprise there. The skills competition featured the Jazz, the Antetokounmpo's with Drew Holiday instead of Giannis, and the rookie team. And the Jazz beat the Antetokounmpo's with Drew substituting for Giannis and the rookies. And there's actually a funny clip in the shooting portion where the rookies weren't hitting anything from anywhere. And now we're going to get into stuff that I actually really enjoy. And I I usually think that these last three items should take the cake for the All-Star game. For me, my favorite is the three-point contest. And this year, it was fun, but it didn't feel the same. Uh, Dame finally got his three-point contest win, so good for him. The kid from Oshkosh, a.k.a. Tyrese Halliburton, tied the record for most points, which he scored 31 points in the first round. And then the second round came, and he just lost his stroke. He couldn't hit anything. And I was really disappointed by Tyler Harrow. I thought he was going to score more than just eight points. I guess the contest in whole felt empty because... There wasn't that fiery aspect of having Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And it seems like the shooters that were in it were kind of just there, besides Dame and Buddy Heald, even though Heald didn't really perform too well. it just I just wish that it was just the best shooters, like how it was when Curry and Thompson were taking home every other time. I I just miss that aspect of having the best shooters in there. And it kind of just felt disappointing. Eh, 
Yeah. And I get Curry was hurt. But it just it just didn't feel the same. Now, the contest that didn't feel the same by previous year's expectations was the dunk contest. I'm surprised because this dunk contest was actually pretty impressive in recent history. You have Trey Murphy, who was very creative with his dunks. You have to admit, he was pretty creative. You have Jericho Sims, who you could probably slot in as the boring dunk guy. He did the same dunk twice, so it, it was pretty boring. Uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. or KJ Martin, he actually used a 3D printed ball. So if you remember, there was a black ball and it didn't look quite organic. That's because it was 3D printed. And I really appreciated him getting a lob from his dad. I thought that was awesome. But let's go to the main the main man himself. Mac freaking McClun stole the show in the dunk contest. Not only did he score a near perfect throughout the entire contest, he was making people re-love the dunk contest because of his creativity. And because of his pure hops. And it's even funny because in the press in the press release after the contest, he said that his dad tells him that he had better hops than Mac McClun, and I I can't believe it. He yeah, but he stole the show. I mean, he set the tone with his first dunk where he did he jumped over two guys, taps the ball off the backboard, and does a reverse finish. Like that is wild to start off. And then his last dunk where he did a 720, yes, it was a 720, that's nuts. <laughs> but it's not only that he stole the show there, because this enti- the entire week he's been stealing the show. He signed with the Puma brand, and his career earnings were a total of 106000 and now his earnings from that contest were hundred k from the dunk contest alone, from winning. And it's making everyone want him on the court now. People want to see him. There was something where the Sixers G League games got sold out ahead of schedule because they want to see Mac McClung. So I'm really excited to see what Mac McClung can do, and I want him to get a shot. I think, I think he deserves one. And now we're going to the main portion of the All-Star Game, which is the actual All-Star Game. The selections, in my opinion, were very boring. They were very long, and I didn't really like it. I think they could have cut it shorter, but it was kind of boring. Listening to Giannis uh, call for John Morant when they were picking reserves was pretty funny, but that was probably the only part that I liked. Of the selections, they were very boring. And now into the All-Star game itself. Giannis and LeBron both got hurt. Giannis got hurt beforehand, hence why Drew Holiday took his place in the skills competition. And then it was nice because they did pay nod to Giannis for being the captain. And they let him get the first dunk. And then they subbed him. Well, he fouled Luka. He subbed out. I did like that a lot. I thought that was pretty good sportsmanship. And uh, LeBron got hurt during the game. 
and sat out in the second half. He like jammed his finger when he was going up for a block, it looked like, and he caught it under the net and it like peeled back from the rim. It's pretty wild uh, to be, to see, but he should be fine. He's he's been on the court since the game since that All Star game happened, so he should be good. But in the game itself, I thought it was very boring. I thought it was one of the worst All-Star games I've ever seen in my life. It was just not fun. Like, there were some parts of it that were fun. Like, I really appreciated Tatum and Jalen Brown going back and forth in the third where they were basically doing 1v1s. I thought that was awesome because I think Jalen Brown beat Tatum in that. I, I think that's awesome. But Tatum did steal the show because he won MVP after scoring a record 55 points in his performance. And also, this All-Star game had the lowest ratings in the history of an All-Star game. It actually had lower ratings than the Pro Bowl and the MLB All-Star game. So it goes the MLB All-Star, Pro Bowl, and then the NBA. And it just goes to show that when a game has something at stake, like the MLB, like I've talked about, that that's going to draw more people to watch it because there's stakes and players are going to play. Whereas the Pro Bowl and NBA All-Star Game, there's really nothing but cash for the for the participants and incentives for the participants for just being selected. So it's kind of boring in that sense. So now we're going to go to the umbrella question. What has happened in the league since the All-Star game to now? Well, Russell Westbrook signs with the LA Clippers, and he looks super happy. I am super excited for Russ, and I'm glad to see him having a smile on his face and enjoying the game again because I grew up when Russ was at his prime, when he was averaging a triple-double, when it looked like no one could stop him. And he basically played like a second coming of Derrick Rose, but had more tenacity to his game because he was that explosive. And it just, it, it really is disappointing to see like players like Russ and Derrick Rose, and we're probably going to see it in Morant too, in John Morant, where players that are so explosive as a guard just start to teeter off towards the end of their career or they they start to decline earlier at their peak because of the fact that they're using so much energy and wear and tear on their knees and ankles. And I am really praying that Russ finds his groove again, A, and I'm praying, B, that John Morant can find a way to go outside more instead of being such an explosive player. The Bucks sign Myers Leonard, who hasn't played since 2021. And as a Bucks fan, I don't mind the pickup. He adds decent defense and decent offense from his background. Uh, he just needs to be smarter and watch what he says when he's streaming. Honestly, he cannot say any more anti-Semitic or racist or anything like that. He just needs to be smart. And it's not that bad for the team because he's only signed for 10 days. See what we can get out of him. And if the Bucks end up liking him, 
they'll probably sign him to the active roster. So who knows? And then finally, in the NBA, uh, Kevin Durant is scheduled to return on March 1st, which is also my birthday. So that's pretty cool. Uh, We'll see him debut as a Phoenix Sun on March 1st, which is a Wednesday. And I know that. So that would be fun. I guess the last thing I I would say is that the Lakers blew out, well, one by 13 points and 80 and LeBron only combined for 25 points a couple nights ago. And then also that the Sixers came back in a, what thought to be a blowout and they came back and won last night. So that was pretty cool. But from the NBA spectrum, that's all that I've got. And it's now that season. It's the season that I thoroughly enjoy because A, it's more basketball, but B, it's also college basketball. We are going to take a look at the current standings for the top 25 in the AP poll. And we're also going to look at what the bracket could be. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's just interesting to kind of look at this stuff. I haven't talked about college basketball in a little bit, but yeah, let's see where we are. Houston at number one. Uh, they've been dominant all year. Bama is at two. Again, they've been really good all year. Kansas at three. UCLA at four. Purdue at five. Purdue is an interesting team that I think could get into the top four. It all depends what they do in that Big Ten tournament. Virginia's at six. Zona at seven. Texas at eight. Baylor at nine. Marquette at 10. And again, I think Marquette could sneak in. And when we look at the bracket uh, in a minute here, I I could see them moving up in their seeding. Tennessee at 11. Zaga at 12. And Zaga's been a very disappointing team for me. I thought that they would be in the top 10 consistently, but they haven't. Miami at 13, Kansas State is at 14, St. Mary's at 15, Xavier at 16, Indiana at 17, UConn getting back in the 25 at 18, Creighton at 19, Providence at 20, Northwestern at 21, San Diego State at 22, Iowa State at 23, TCU at 24, Texas A&M at 25. What really shocks me about this is how many Big East teams there are. Big East is dominating right now but again they're all like in the 10 to 20 range so it's that middle of the top 25 but they're they're really shocking uh what really disappoints me is a lot of the big 10 teams aren't really performing that well and it's kind of interesting to see that um everyone else is kind of spread out in, in a little way but We'll find out. Others that are receiving votes, we're going to go over that as well. NC State, Pittsburgh, Oral Roberts, Maryland, Kentucky, Boise State, Florida, Atlantic, Arkansas, Charleston, Southern Miss, Duke, Missouri, Kent State, Illinois, Nevada, Oklahoma State. And then two teams were dropped from the rankings, which were NC State and Florida Atlantic. So that's kind of an update on the top 25. Now I want to go to the bracketology. Now this this could be interesting. 
there's a lot of bubble teams first off. And when I'm looking at this, for the conference breakdown, the Big Ten has nine teams currently that would get in. The Big 12 has eight. The SEC has eight. The ACC has five. The Big East, five. Mountain West, three. Pac-12, three. WCC, two. And the American, two. And those are the top conferences so far on the bracket. But, 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 here's where it gets interesting. Right now on the bracket watch, Bama is the top overall seed, which is interesting because Houston is the number one team in the nation on the AP poll. The first team out would be Penn State, and the last team in would be Mississippi State. And now, though, that's just like a little roundup of what, people are thinking but this this is almost a guarantee of who is on the bubble now the last four buys belong to pittsburgh nevada memphis and memphis just picked up a huge win over my wichita state shockers which i was watching that game and i I don't know what happened there uh and west virginia those are the last four buys the last four in which would be play-in games Oklahoma State, their plan would be at an 11 seed. USC, who would play at 11. Wisconsin, who would play at 11. And Mississippi State, who would play at 11. The first four out would be Penn State, Utah State, North Carolina. This is wild. I have never seen a bracket without UNC on it until possibly this year. And another thing, I've never seen a top 25 poll without Duke on it in my life. Charleston, and then that's the first four out, and the next four out would be Texas Tech, Clemson, Michigan, and New Mexico. There is four powerhouse teams that usually get in that might not this year. Michigan, North Carolina, Wisconsin, And I haven't checked if Duke is, but it says they're at a seven seed right now. So I'm going to retract and rephrase that and say three powerhouse schools that usually get in the big dance, which is Wisconsin, UNC, and Michigan, might not make the big dance. And one of that powerhouse team, which being Duke, is not on the top 25 poll, which I've never seen happen before. Now, if we're looking at it, Bama is the number one overall team on this bracket. Houston being two, Kansas being three, Purdue being four, which would also make Kansas State being, is that right? Hmm, that's interesting. Kansas State would be a two. UCLA would be the second best two. Texas would be the third. And Zona would be the the eighth best team, is what they're saying. This bracket that is projected, again, it's not it's not set in stone because we still have tournament play, conference tournament play. This 
would make the Midwest bracket probably the toughest bracket to get out of. Houston at one. You have NC State and Rutgers that always put up a fight, and especially Rutgers this year. You would have Duke at seven, Texas at two. It's kind of a wild bracket there. And then also, down in the West is also another really tough one. You have Kansas at one. You have Illinois, who has a decent team at nine. So you could see an early Illinois-Kansas matchup. You have UConn down here. TCU, Gonzaga, Colgate, Wisconsin, if they beat Mississippi State. There's so many teams in this bracket, like Auburn and Maryland and UCLA. There's so many teams in the West bracket right now that perform so well in the tournament. I have no idea what this West bracket is actually going to look like. And if this is the if this would be the set in stone West bracket, this would be your bracket killer is the West because of how many teams perform well in the tournament that are slotted in one single area. And then the South the South might be that standard like Bama against Miami and then Zona against Baylor, where it's the one, two, three, four. And I know that that never happens usually because you have Memphis down here that's sneaky. They're sneaky. And I'm I don't think that Wichita State will make it because they'd have to really put a run in in the AAC, which they'd have to go through Memphis, they'd have to go through Houston, Cincinnati. I don't think there's a shot that my Wichita State shockers get in. But there, there is some hope for Wisconsin, and I don't know if there's a lot of it, but I am thinking that they either have to win three games in the Big Ten tournament to solidify it, if that they get in, or they would need to win at least two games, probably at minimum two, to just be in contention of getting in there. And I don't know, because Greg Gard is such a good coach that he could make some noise in that tournament. But again, you have Purdue at the one seed. You've got uh, Indiana, I believe, and Northwestern is playing well. So it's just... It's just up in the air for Wisconsin right now. But I want to go to Marquette because they're right. Oh, they went up. Okay. Well, the last time I looked at this, they were a four, and now they're a three. And that's this is one of the teams that I could see. I think that they'll probably get a three, but I was going to say if, if they're still slotted at four, I could see them getting a three. This is updated daily, so I haven't checked it today. So that kind of squandered my plan. But I don't know if they could move up to get a two. If they do, it'd definitely be the last two. So it would be a zona spot. And I'm not sure. Because if you look, the brackets, the bracket goes around. So then it'd be, so Bama's one, dot, dot. And then you go uh, 
Kansas State is the number one two seed back around. Baylor and then Marquette. So they could sneak up and beat out, it would be Zona's two seed, which would be interesting. But there's some there's some bracket watch there. Um, watch out for Marquette. They're playing really good right now, and they're playing a lot. They're playing really fun, too, if you watch them. They're playing fun. I did watch Wisconsin's game this week. Uh, I believe it was Wednesday or Tuesday, one of those days. And uh, I was just, they, I don't know, they they, they should have won my more, but they didn't. So it, it's, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be a dogfight for some teams, especially Wisconsin and definitely North Carolina. It's going to be a dogfight to try and get in there. But, yeah, the, the teams on the bubble would be Pittsburgh, Nevada, Memphis, West Virginia, Oak State, USC, Wisconsin, Miss State, Penn State, Utah State, North Carolina, Charleston, Texas Tech, Clemson, Michigan, New Mexico. And I'll have an update on this next week of what's happening. But there is a big bubble watch going on in the NCAA. But that's all I've got for college basketball for right now. Now we're going to take a look at Probably the sport that if you were to tell 10-year-old me what sport is your favorite, it would have been this one, which is baseball. So we're going to look at the MLB. And I quickly just, um, I guess I lost interest in it. If you would have talked to me when I was 10 years old about baseball, I would have known almost everything about it. Now it's completely flipped. I probably know way more about basketball and my brother knows way more about baseball, specifically MLB and minor leagues. I can, I mean, I can list you like standard stuff and I can look at the metrics and plan out a nice spreadsheet and everything, but I don't feel like doing that because it's spring training right now. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you what has happened either during spring training or before spring training. First off, Brewers, I want to disown from this organization so bad because they refused to give Corbin Burns an extra $750,000 because Burns wanted, it was like $10.7 million and the Brewers offered him $10.10 million or no, not like $10 million exact. Hold on. You're not going to pay 750k extra for a Cy Young winning ace pitcher. Okay, fine. But then you go on and even make it worse with him by turning it into a big arbitration meeting that Burns lost, which makes him upset with the team, not because he lost the arbitration, but because of the, the choice and words you used in that meeting. And I... Oh, this is such a Brewer moment, as my brother would say. Go have your best player and fight with him over money because the Brewers are such a cheap organization. Go with your star player that puts people in the seats because they're there to watch a Cy Young winning... Uh, pitcher on the on the bump and then you use 
words in that meeting that upset him. It's uh, it's beyond wild right now. Uh, enough about Brewers and stuff with that. Uh, the MLB Network released its top 100 players for the upcoming season. And this prompted me an idea to get someone who is the most knowledgeable person about baseball to get involved with my channel. It'd be, it's going to be my brother, Dawson Shabilsky. He will be giving us his top 10 players at each position. So it would, it would go from starting pitcher to uh, bullpen. So that that's two separate categories. And then it would go all the way from, uh, to DH. So there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So he actually lists a hundred and ten players, which basically equates to the MLB Network's top hundred. So instead of, because I asked him if he could create a top one hundred list, he said, "There's no way I can list." 100 players and rank them from 100 to 1. You just can't do it. It's that hard. So instead, he's he ranked the top 10 players in each position. And relief pitcher I have listed as bullpen because technically closers are relief. So, but yeah, that's going to be a, an upcoming video or episode, I should say. And I, Right now, I'm going to go over the top 30 because I think it's interesting. So Kyle Tucker is at 30 and the Astros from the Astros and his last year ranking was 30 as well. So he is literally on track to stay where he's at. Someone moving up, though, is JT Realmuto. He was at 54 last year, now at 29. DeGrom falls a ton partially due to going to a different team, partially because he was injured last year. Uh, DeGrom's at 28. Last year he was at 7. Now, th again, this this is interesting because I don't know, but Corbin Burns is at 27. Last year he was at 24. It's very, very, literally right there. Fernando Tatis Jr. is at 26. Last year he was at 3. Totally makes sense. He was suspended for using steroids. So Acuna Jr. falls because of his injury, I think. He was at 10. This year he's at 25. Bregman moves up five. He was at 20. He's at 24. He was at 29. Altuve. Oh man, that 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 Astros infield is, is absolutely insane. Uh Altuve is at 23 last year, 28. And oh wow, look at that. Uh, Correa, who would have been the shortstop with the Astros, is at 22. Last year, he was at 14. He's with the Twins now. And then Francisco Lindor is at 21. And last year, he was at 68. Taking a look at the 22-11 numbers, Austin Riley is at 20. Rafael Devers at 19. Vladdy Jr. is at 18. Bryce Harper is at 17, and, and this one kind of shocks me why he falls so much, but I, I'm i thinking it's because he was playing mostly DH, and I'm 
guessing he wasn't in the field much. He was number five. Julio Rodriguez, probably the biggest breakout star from last year in the MLB, center fielder for the Mariners. He wasn't even ranked last year, and now he's slotted at 16. Scherzer goes from 12 to 15. Verlander goes... I, if you're going to talk about a player who equates to Tom Brady, it has to be Verlander. This man is so old, and he's still in the top 15. He's at 14, and last year he was at 92. And he's with the Mets. And the Mets have two of the best starting pitchers in the league. And when you're talking about someone who's just so sneakily good, it would have to be Verlander. I mean, the dude put up a Cy Young year last year, and no one was talking about it. Everyone was focused on Shohei. It's just, it's just, it just blows my mind how good this man is. At thirteen is Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara, my bad. The starting pitcher for the Marlins. He was eighty-four this year, thirteen. Number twelve is Juan Soto. He was at four last year. Number 11 is probably my favorite player in the league. It's Trey Turner. He's at 11, previously at 13. And then the top 10, uh, Freddie Freeman is at 10, and he stays in the top 10. He was ranked 9. Number 9 is Jordan Alvarez for the Astros. Last year he was ranked 46. Jose Ramirez, who if you want to watch someone who's a really fun and, again, another sneakily good player, it has to be Jose Ramirez. He's at number 8. Last year he was at 15. Number 7 is Paul Goldschmidt, the reigning NL MVP. Jumps up 20 spots. He was at 27. Now he's at 7. Nolan Arenado for the Cardinals. Is ranked at six. Last year he was at nineteen. Uh, Manny Machado, who had kind of a career reviving year last year, uh, it really did spark that like, oh yeah, this guy he's good. That that kind of wow factor in him again. In my opinion, he's at five. Last year he was at eighteen. Uh, Mookie Betts is at four. He was at six last year. Trout. Stays in the top three. Trout's at three. Last year was at two. Aaron Judge, who was ranked 11 last year, jumps to number two. And you can't really argue it. I mean, he had one of the best years that I've seen last year. Uh, the Yeah, I mean, the Bronx Bomber is just awesome when it comes to putting on a show. And this is a good transition for who is the star of the show. It's Shohei Otani. Last year he was at number one. This year he's also at number one. I mean, when you're talking about a guy who goes out on the bump and can hit nukes, it is Shohei. So no no surprise there. But I'm really interested to see what my brother has put together in his list and I hope you guys are too because it should be a fun one. And I'll probably be, I probably won't argue most of his picks, 
but I might say it's interesting or something like that because he knows baseball way more than me, and he's probably, in my opinion, he is my baseball expert. If I have any questions about the MLB or what's going on, I ask him because he explains it to me. And and he does it so well. I mean, he knows basically every prospect in the minor league system. He can tell you about everything. Like, I'll never forget last year when the Brewers signed this Jackson Trio, who is right now the number four prospect in the league. I do know that. My brother goes, oh, yeah, we just signed a player who is – currently 17 years old go what yeah his birthday is march 11th well my birthday is march 1st so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking wow a kid who is younger than me is in the mlb what am i doing right now <laughs> that's crazy it's, it's really wild to think that and then he's he said that his numbers compared to the likes of Juan Soto and Tatis Jr. and Vlad Jr. in the lower le- lower levels, but if he continues to hit this up, the Brewers are going to have a very special center fielder coming up on their roster soon. And it frustrates my brother so much because we have such a crowded outfield and we just continue to get these outfielders that are either like the verge of being on the on the active roster or that are or I should say the 40 man roster not active that are on the verge of being 40 man or that just sit in the what would be it'd be triple A in the triple A system so it's going to be interesting to see what my brother has to say because he he knows baseball better than anyone I know. And now uh, this segment is going to be a little different. I'm trying something else new here. Um, basically what's happening in my life right now, a little life update, I suppose. Uh, well, you're probably wondering why this episode is coming out on a Friday when I said Tuesdays are probably the most ideal recording session for me. Well, that's partially due to the fact that my Tuesday got very busy. And then my Wednesday classes were all online. And then my Thursday classes were all online. And now I'm here on a Friday night recording this week's episode. Well, it's partially due to the fact that I was waiting to see what would happen with the Oshkosh Titans. Um, and also because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy. I'll be honest. So today on, on Friday, uh, February 24th, I am the sports news anchor for our local TV station on campus for Titan TV. So I did the, I did the sports segment and then I came back to my dorm and I'm like, all right, I'm going to record. Then I remembered, oh yeah, Oshkosh men's have a game tonight. And if they win, they go to the WIAC or the WIAC championship because it's uh, tournament season right now for D3. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait to see what happens because then I can tell you, and I'm going to right now, 
which is basically I am broadcasting the championship game on Titan TV. So if you want to listen to me do a broadcast, <laughs> me and Corey Sparks, who is the sports director and a real a really great content creator on YouTube, look up Armchair Athletes Pod and you can find all of his content there. But I get to work with him and he's just a really fun dude. He knows how to drive he knows how to drive a broadcast in the play-by-play seat where I'm going to be doing the color. So I get to do a championship tournament game this Sunday. And then tomorrow on Saturday, on Saturday the 25th, I am going to Madison because I was nominated for two Wisconsin Broadcasting Association Awards. So I will be gone all day. And I just wanted to make sure that this episode would get out on time-ish. It's a little late, but I, I get I'm three days late. But I, I mean, I need to just take a step back and I guess catch up on my homework again because I was falling behind because of all the stuff upcoming I have. And I also wanted to just get ahead also. So I wasn't really behind. And if I was behind, I just caught up and got more ahead than I previously was. So that's kind of going on in my life. And then, yes, as I mentioned earlier, I believe it's next week, Wednesday is my birthday. So I will be turning 19 and that'll be the last year of my life. I am a teenager. It's uh, pretty wild to think that nearly half of my 18th year was dedicated to either planning out the podcast, starting the podcast, recording the podcast. It's kind of crazy to think about that, but yeah, we're almost uh, almost half a year into it, which is kind of cool. But yeah, that's kind of what's been going on in my life. And also been watching a lot of basketball and brushing up on my knowledge as well. Uh, I I always want to be overly prepared than underly prepared. So that's pretty much what I have for this episode. So I'm your host, Dylan Shabilsky, aka Shibs. If you like the podcast, you can follow me on Spotify, Apple, or whatever browser you use to listen to your podcast. But with that being said, I'm Dylan Shabilsky signing off. Thank you.